Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 your friends are holding you back. For as long as I can remember, I've witnessed a phenomenon at the gym that I've never been able to understand. Call it what you want. Social abs, core with friends, ab circle, club core. I just call it mostly pointless. Maybe that's unfair. Then again, maybe not. Fact is, in most cases, almost nobody in that situation gets any benefit at all from what they're doing. Unless, of course, the goal is to impress the strong girl leading club core with your circus tricks. That might work. Your climbing sure isn't doing it. I'm not just ripping on the silliness I see in the gym. There actually is a point to this. Most of the people I see in the gym who are training are simply piggybacking off someone else's often misguided training program. People always want to know what my workout is that night so that they can do it too. It just won't work. Let me explain it like this. Let's say there are five guys and five girls in any given ab circle. Everyone is at least reasonably fit. Three of the guys are ripped, but they're the three worst male climbers. The two other guys and a couple of the girls are mostly social climbers and make no secret about it. Their climbing abilities range from about 5'10 to 12 minus and from maybe V2 to V5. The other three girls are dedicated boulders at varying levels of skill. Everyone spends two or three hours climbing, then 30 or 40 minutes doing social abs, flutter leg core exercises, followed by four or five participants, usually the less skilled climbers, doing an hour or so of circus tricks, campusing, and chatting. They all do each exercise for the same amount of time, reps, and intensity levels. Sounds fun. It might even be a decent workout, but as training, it's mostly worthless for all but a few of the people involved. I mean, 10 individuals all doing the same workout in unison? It looks cute, but otherwise, pointless. Here's why. The three guys who've worked hard to get ripped can probably handle a far more intense core workout than the less fit people, and it's unlikely to improve their climbing. They could have gotten much more out of spending time learning how to climb. The stronger climbers would probably get far more out of a sport-specific core workout or from doing specific tension-dependent problems. The people who are, by far, getting the most benefit from core with friends are the social climbers, the ones who care the least about getting better, and the physically weaker climbers. Not to mention, if you have the energy for post-workout campusing and yoga-style circus tricks, then your workout might be missing the point. If you're a regular in the ab circle and it's difficult for you, well, good job. My point extends beyond just end-of-session circus core. If you do the same problem in your 4x4 as your partner, then the two of you had better be uncommonly evenly matched. The same strengths and weaknesses. The same goals. Doing the exact same number of laps on the same routes as your belay partner means that most likely one of you is trying much harder than the other. Here's another common example. Two guys, Biff and Bam, always climb together and always work on the same problems. Biff sends after three or four tries, then gets to sit and chat with the girls. 
Bam needs to refine his technique, dig deep for the power, and completes the problem after an hour of discovering a few new techniques. Unless Biff got a date out of it, which is unlikely, Bam wins. He may not be the better climber tonight, but he will be. Mark my words. There is no single workout that any group of people can follow to get the optimum results for each of them. Doing your partner's workout just isn't what's best for you. You all have different ability levels, goals, drives, strengths, and weaknesses. If your goal is to get stronger, then your workouts must reflect your own individual needs. Not mine, not your partner's, not the other circus clowns. Hey, I'm Sydney Smith, and I am the general manager of a uh, rock climbing gym, Momentum Indoor Climbing um, at Silver Street, and that's in Houston, Texas. And I've been doing that for a couple years and was previously not in the climbing industry, but um, am now through managing there. And yeah, that's where I am. And climbing community builder extraordinaire. Mm. I don't know if I can claim that, but <laughs> it's it's claimed now. <clears throat> it's right. on your resume, Lauren. Yeah, uh, I'm Lauren Abernathy. I also was recently, well, not that recently. I guess last year I was not in the climbing industry, but as of summer of last year, I started my own climbing coaching business, and now I've been running that ever since. So you can find me at goodsprayclimbing.com or Instagram at goodspraycoaching. And yeah, I coach I coach rock climbers remotely, and I'm based in Salt Lake City now. So that's me. And you bring the most energy to climbing coaching <laughs> that is possible to bring to climbing coaching, and I appreciate that. <clears throat> I use like probably an illegal amount of exclamation points in everything. A confetti emoji. I should trademark that. Confetti all the time. Did your hangboard work out? Confetti. It's out of control. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I reserve the confetti on trainer eyes for special times. I should start using it more. <clears throat> Oh yeah, I'm con- so yeah, this. Uh, you you got the rocket though. The rocket's you. I do. I use the rocket all the time. <laughs> it's true. So this chapter, I think I mentioned this to you, Lauren, that there was a funny story that goes along with this chapter, and I originally wrote this maybe ten years ago. There's kind of two stories that goes with it. Number one, the original essay was called Fairy Circles. And it's what I was calling what the, what all the people in the gym would do after they were done climbing. But when we were putting the book together, uh, my editor, Brittany was, was educating me quite a bit on words I maybe shouldn't use. And we had a lot of conversations about this and fairy circles slipped through until the very last edit. And I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm not comfortable with this word anymore, you know, because of its connotation, we should cut that out. And I felt like that was a big win. Like Brittany had gotten through to me and taught me how to not be such a, an insensitive asshole. Um, <clears throat> but the original essay was definitely insensitive <laughs> asshole because it was absolutely written about 
people in the gym and I laid it out. Like I described each of them. They all who knew who they were. They all knew I was talking about them. The whole gym knew I was talking about them. And when I came back into the gym that next week after putting this essay out, people were pissed off. So angry that I had said these things about them on the internet as if everyone else knew, you know, but we, we changed names. We changed descriptions. We, this, this is the essay that was most edited for the entire book because it was such an asshole essay to begin with. That kind of reminds me of the movie Mean Girls at the beginning when they're introducing Caddy yes. to the like cafeteria and they're like pointing out all the different groups. <laughs> I feel like you could totally do that in a gym. Yeah, that's exactly oh, yeah. what this was, and everybody knew. <clears throat> oh. Maybe that's but part I, I of why think I like it's to a, like a good... slide under the radar at gyms. <laughs> Then I could talk about stuff on Instagram, yeah, but people I, don't I do know think who it's I am. a good. I'm just like <laughs> everybody knows who you are, though now, so <clears throat> you can't hide. <laughs> Math. Math. <laughs> I do think it's a good lesson, though, in that you know you shouldn't be doing the exact same things all your friends are, and and if that's the way you're your sessions go, maybe you should reevaluate that. Have have you two ever fallen into this trap? I'll let Lauren go first, if that's okay. Yeah. Okay. So I think like the time at which I would have fallen into this trap, I like found the rock climbers training manual, which was probably about like, I don't know, a year and a half after I started climbing. So then as soon as people started being like, come do core with you know, sorry, core with friends, because there was totally a core with friends at my gym in Columbus. And people would try to like get me to go do stuff. And then of course, you know, for six weeks, I was like, I got an arc. And I don't know how I was so committed to that. But like, yeah, I just like had a thing. And I was totally fine with being like, nope, I'm doing something else. I have to go do this thing now. So I think that not that it saved me, because you know, there were some things that probably could have been better about all that. But I think like, Starting that sooner helped me to be like, oh, I have like a plan to follow and I like following a plan. And I've also just like educated myself a lot on like why doing random stuff isn't going to work. And so I was maybe saved to some degree because I was like, I don't want to do core with friends. I can just do like a few sets of hanging leg raises and I'm good. But I also am a hater of long core workouts. Yeah. (laughs) Just like, "Mm, you avoided the track. Yeah, I swerved. It's interesting. I think I think actually <laughs> the Rock Climbers training manual became the next iteration of core with friends. Like all of a sudden everybody's arcing and everybody's doing repeaters and <laughs> lots of people who just didn't need that stuff were doing it. So eventually it became Me. core with friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I look back and I'm like, I could have hangboarded so much less. Oh my God. But, you know, at least I did yep. something and learned that I liked to be a training nerd. So it's fine. It all worked out. <laughs> yeah, totally. Sid, you, you ever fall into this trap? I mean, I think probably for the first, you know, I was such a casual climber for the first, you know, seven years I was climbing and on and off that I think... Like I never showed up to the gym really with a plan. Um, it mm. was just like kind of a 
probably just a social thing that I did. And then when I started working at the gym and started kind of experiencing like, I mean, what Lauren is describing, like flying under the radar, sometimes it feels like you have to do that in a gym if you want to get something done. And um, so just in the past couple of years, this has like come to my attention, like, okay, if you actually want to be a climber and if you actually want to climb, um, you have to like, you know, like set aside time for it and commit to it. Otherwise, it's just, I don't know, it's tough to commit to. So I think training has made it you know, a lot easier just to commit to my time and to kind of avoid this. But then being on the other side of it, it was funny reading your chapter because yeah, you can see it all through the gym. You can see kind of the social circles, um, the training circles that develop. You know, and these chapters were very pointed. So there's not a, not a ton of nuance, like contradictory nuance, even though every chapter has a contradictory you know, side that, that can also be valuable. And I think this is one of those where going to the gym for social time, doing things with your friends, you know, getting caught up in that can be really fucking valuable at some points in your climbing. Um, this book was just a, like, hopefully you're picking out the things that hurt your feelings. And, and those are the things you're attaching yourself to, because that's, what's going to help you the most. Um, but I really do like I'm I'm getting softer and softer as I get older and I've become a grandpa now and, you know, I'm less of a dick and I, at least I think I am. And I read that chapter now and I'm like, oh, why was I so hard on people? Like it's it's fun to hang out with your friends, you know, but it is true that you probably don't get as much personal work done when you're doing that. I I felt the same kind of contradiction when I was reading that chapter because this, you know, even when I'm focused in the gym, I still see social groups and I think like, what am I missing? Like, you know, you're missing out on something by not kind of being part Mm -hmm. of that. And I think some people really thrive from it and really do well. And it's what makes them show up and it pushes them. And, um, you know, the connections with friends and having fun at the gym are all awesome things. So I read that chapter and I was also kind of like, oh, I wish I had ab circle. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Lauren, do you ever write in time and programs for people to be social, to just go to the gym and have fun, to not be training? Oh yeah. Literally I have like a climb for fun session and I feel like I use it in half of like the people that I coach because, and some people like if they start being like, but I like hanging out with my friends, I'll like outline guidelines of like this session's probably good for chatting more so than like other ones. And then, yeah, I totally write in like climb for fun session where I'm like, have fun with your friends. Like maybe make it a little bit lower intensity, but like do what you want. And as long as you don't pretend that like it's not a climbing day and you like account for it as your total training volume, like it's fine. I kind of think of it as like how some people can go outside more often too. I kind of just say like, look, you can think of this as like outdoor climbing or something like that where it's like decoupled from your training. So like either go have fun or go outside, but like use it as fun time because yeah, some people... Some people, when you ask, like, what do you do to de-stress? They're like, I go climbing. And I'm like, okay, but also, like, doing boulders on the minute is not not stressful. So, like, that doesn't count. Like, you probably need something else to de-stress, but also having, like, a fun, non 
intense climbing session is good. I think it's super important for like sustainable training because if you're just the kind of person that likes to socialize, you'll just get burnt out and quit or be like, I don't want it anymore. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we we all as coaches kind of started with our own experiences and our own experiments. And I know you did the same. And for me, like the the place I'm coming from is of a don't fucking talk to me attitude. You know, <laughs> like I'm in the gym for me. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to socialize. I don't want to be your friend. You know, that's kind of how I was in the gym for a long time. And and I just made this assumption, like we all often do, that this is the way forward. This worked for me. You have to do that too. You know, and it wasn't until much later that I realized that that the 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 time with friends, the the time in that group, the time playing around doing circus tricks can be really valuable for your development and for your longevity, like you said. Yeah. Oh, I'm totally that way too. <laughs> I think you can learn so much from just like messing around with people and you can learn so much about your own movement and other people's movements that I think there's yeah, a ton of benefit to that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And Sydney, I think it's, you know, in your gym, especially, I mentioned this in our, our last conversation that, you know, you've got this really cool crew there and your training plan might not exactly match up to what they're doing. So it's going to be extra valuable to have time in your training plan where you get to spend time with that crew who is, who are all working toward their own goals, but who are also so psyched and, you know, they, they build so much momentum, no pun intended. And (laughs) maybe that was pun intended. This is actually a momentum advertising. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's so great to have that. So building that in is huge. Yeah. Lauren, have you ever had like friends, training partners, or a couple that you've trained where you have to build their training plan in a way that the two can work together, even though they're wildly different athletes? I have not gotten to do that yet. I am looking forward to it though. But also I kind of, well, all right. I don't know if my other half will listen to this, but I do want to take this opportunity to call him out. Sorry, Michael. But like there was one time where it was like a few weeks back and he's at the gym and he's like, what are you doing today? And I was like, I'm going to do my moonboard boulder circuits. and I'm going to do them. You know, I've got my six problems. I'm going to do them on the minute. He was like, I'll do it too. And then, you know, like he picks different, he picks different problems, like blah, blah, blah. But then he's like having such a hard time. And I was like, Michael, I've literally been like building, like I just did a four or six week block where I did four on the minute. And now I'm progressing to six. And also I've like practiced these problems. And I didn't try to like rant at him with our friends but in my head i was like michael you can't you can't just do this (laughs) god damn it it was really funny though and i was like trying so hard not to like just unleash a lecture but i was like it's not how it works go get a coach it can't be me but you go find your own god damn it (laughs) (laughs) i love it i love it i worked with a couple once who i had to tell them when like when the wife is training on routes in the gym, the husband is not allowed at the gym. 
you two have to be separate for this time of your training because it just does not work. And, and your relationship will be better for it if you two stay apart for this part of your training. Yeah. Um, sometimes That's you have to fair. do that. No, it's got to happen. Yeah, completely. <clears throat> and then, yeah, Michael is just, you know, sometimes he just flashes my stuff and it's annoying. So, or he'll be like, I'll be like, look at this really hard yeah. spray wall thing I set. And he'll be like, that was easy. And I'm like, well, you just tall boyed over the hard move. Damn it. So like, <laughs> 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 it's a good time. <clears throat> Kick yeah. him out. Kick him I'm out like, of the gym. I'm like, all right, well, you get this foot now. Mm, so, but it's fun. It's good being a climbing <laughs> couple, but it's a wild time sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, you made a good choice by saying you need a coach, but it's not going to be me. Yeah. <clears throat> I've also said, like, I'll put you in trainerize, but I promise not to look or check or do anything like that. And he was like, mm. I'm like, that's fair. It's a bad idea. So. <laughs> Well, I, I appreciate both of you taking the time and I, I love so much watching you both build your communities in your own, you know, respective ways in your own respective places. And it's something I've learned the past, you know, five years of traveling around with Nate and going to gyms and also being a remote coach is how how important both sides of the community are, you know, building this in-person community as well as this digital community who can all lean on each other in different ways. And it's it's so important to have people like both of you out there. So I, I appreciate that you're there. Oh, well, thank you. We, we appreciate mm-hmm. you for sure. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank cool. you. Thank you. Tomorrow, the top five bad gym habits of sport climbers. We don't tweet. We scream like eagles.